Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Stochastic MLB DFS Strategy Show. I'm your host, Neil Orfield. You can find me on Twitter at PlayerQDFS. I'm here with Adam Scher. You can find him on Twitter at ship my money dfs and this show is sponsored by so rare mlb which is a digital trading card and nft based free to play mlb game we'll talk about so rare mlb a little bit more later on while you're coming in please do like the video subscribe to the channel if you haven't already and hit that notification button so you can get alerts when our shows go live adam how did uh yesterday go for you um i mean it went well in terms of how my lineups did it didn't go well in terms of making money um played 50 in the large field DraftKings tournament had five of them in the top 1%, lost $55. So, uh, you know, played well. Nothing else you can do. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it, uh, are those more frustrating, though, when you know that you played so well and then you just still lose money on the slate? I mean, to me, I think that's like, it's good to know that you're playing well and also super frustrating when it doesn't work out. Yeah. I mean, it's both. Obviously, I would take a week of really good finishes and not winning over a week of like not coming close because, you know, at least. You, at least you can fall back on like knowing that your lineups did well. So I'll take that. But yeah, it's definitely frustrating. That that doesn't frustrate me as much. I think the most frustrating is still like when you make a little bit of money, but it's, you know, you finished in like 10th. That, is, that is the most frustrating. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, like yesterday I had two in the top hundred, but it was still, you know, like, I don't know, 65th and 75th or something. So it's not like I can just like stare at it and be like, oh, well, if this idiot had just done a little bit better. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think those are the most frustrating when like you have a team break away, but it doesn't really get there especially when it's when you have like the late stack and it's like you're chasing just like i've had i had that happen a few times last year it was just like all right i just need like one hit out of one of these three guys to push me to the top or like near the top whatever and then they right. just all strike out and it's like what the fuck just like that is uh that's right. frustrating like I, I was dming with uh somebody i'm friends with that uh yesterday in like the fourth or fifth inning of the giants game i think he was in like fifth and he had a full giant stack and nobody ahead of him did and oh, then wow. it ended up being that just basically the wrong giants went off. So he fell back. Um, that stuff frustrates me more than anything. Yeah, like that is you're just sitting there like, Oh, I have 25 innings remaining and nobody ahead of me has anything. And I have, you know, the visiting team in cores, like I'm good. And then you just get passed by a bunch of other teams that have the same stack. Yeah. That's frustrating as hell. Um, speaking of yesterday's slate, now would be a good time. I think to take a look at the post post contest simulator that we have at stochastic. We we've been talking about the Sims tool plenty, uh, a lot of people are looking at it more for the pre-contest sims, which allows you to enter a bunch of lineups, sim them against each other. But the post-contest sim also very cool, but it's because it's going to tell you what we have your projected ROI as being your simulated lineup ROI based on actual lineups that are entered in the contest. So based on actual ownership, actual 
lineups in the contest, what we what our Sims tool would have had your ROI at over many, many Sims. So kind of cool to look at this. We had uh, Dark Magician Girl took down the tournament yesterday. It's kind of funny. You and I are in a in a Discord together. I don't know if you saw it, but somebody was uh, had seen this screen name like a day before and was uh, making telling Jesse that this was meant to be his girlfriend, Dark Magician right. Girl. Downside That's of me, we're like we're, we're meant for each other. And then the very next day, Dark Magician Girl takes down the tournament. That's really cool to see. Yeah. With uh, a non-stack lineup, if I remember correctly. Is that right? I did not realize that. So let's yeah, see. I think it was actually. like a kind of like a two two one 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 two maybe. I don't know. Like it was, it was definitely um, different. Yeah, so Lucas Giolito and Joe Musgrove at pitcher. Uh, we got, I mean, we got some Lamont Wade, Tyro Estrada, uh, Conforto. So that's what, three, three. Giants. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get myself in trouble again here being because some of these players, I'm like, I'm not 100% sure what team. Uh, so it's, it's Rockies, Rockies, Giants, Giants, Brewers. Athletics, Brewers, Brewers, Giants, Rockies. Okay, so, so like... Three Giants, two Brewers, two Rockies, and an Athletic. Okay. Uh, like, yeah, it's a uh, different kind of construction. Three, two, two, one. And not 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 um, unexpected that we actually had this lineup with a negative sim ROI. Not going to win all that often, but I don't think that uh, Dark Magician Girl cares because the actual lineup ROI is, ROI is what we ultimately care about. That is 224 fantasy points. Kind of insane there. Uh, but, you know, we can look at... I'm curious what the uh, the actual, or sorry, the sim lineup ROI, what was the top that we had on the board here? And it was, of course, a Utakao lineup. Uh, didn't cash, but Utakao had a lineup with crazy high sim lineup URI, uh, ROI in this actual contest. Um, I'm, you know. Oh, Clark Schmidt, I had that same problem last night. Yep, me too. Played played a little bit of Clark Schmidt there. Um, but again, this, this tool is kind of uh, revolutionizing the industry. I don't want to say breaking... DFS because uh, you can you can win without the tool, but it's certainly helping you a lot if you do get access to this tool. It's definitely revolutionizing the way I'm going to be playing DFS. It's revolutionizing revolutionizing the way many people are going to be playing DFS, and it's just six dollars a day, hundred and eighty dollars a month for the Sims tool. I know it's it's a lot of money, but it's really uh, you, you want to learn how to use it now uh, so that you can you know get get better as the field gets better at DFS. Highly recommend signing up for the Sims tool if you haven't already. The link is in the description of this video. I wonder if we have a, I might have a link somewhere for it as well, but make sure you check out the Sims tool if you haven't already. Fantastic new tool that we're the, we're the only site out there that has a Sims tool that allows you to Sim the actual contest and look at uh, expected ROI after the contest based on actual lineups that were in the contest. So very, very cool tool here. Yeah, I mean, I think you said something important there too. Like, it, it's not like you can't win without it. Um, it is, you know, like you said, it's expensive. It's not the best idea for everybody, like depending on, you know, what stakes you're playing. You can still win without it. But the way I view it is it's just another tool where, you know, if you if you can afford it, it's just going to bridge that gap for you. Like, I know one question that's come up a lot in shows I've done over the years is, you know, people kind of trying to, I'll, I'll mention using, you know, Excel and, and doing stuff outside of Fantasy Cruncher. And people sort of, you know, ask me like what I'm doing. And I'll sometimes answer and sometimes I won't, but like, this is more advanced than anything I was doing on my own, but it's, you know, in the same vein. And it's kind of just, it's another simplified way, efficient way for you to just at least be in the same ballpark as what the top players, not referring to myself in that sentence, but you know, as what top players are doing, because you know, it's, they're not just running projections and then throwing those lineups in like they are doing other things. And this is one of those other things. And it's just, you know, 
um, something that can very quickly elevate your game from where it currently is. Right. And as you know, Adam, I do the high stakes podcast where I interview a lot of the top players in the game. And that's been a fairly not 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 all of them do Sims, but like a lot of the players who have had long term success are just simulate like they have their own simulators. Right. This allows you to be kind of closer to what they are doing. Now, obviously, you still have to do your use your own inputs and stuff, but this just gets you closer to like what the top of the top pros are doing huge step in the right direction for the way I kind of talked about it with like Josh and with other people is I still remember when I started doing stuff outside of fantasy cruncher using Excel and using that to like sort and rank lineups and stuff back at the start of 2019. I remember when I started doing that being like, Oh, this is clearly giving me better lineups than I was making previously. Um, this is obviously just like giving me more of an advantage than I had, whatever my edge was before it's bigger now. And yep. you know, that was 2019. So it was four years ago. And you know, a lot of people have started doing the same thing, if not better. And once I started, you know, sort of playing around with this and thinking about it, you know, one, I felt dumb for not, do, you know, thinking to do it before. Um, but two, it, it feels the same way to me where it's like, okay, everybody sort of caught up to what I thought my new edge was. And then now it's like, okay, well, there's this, which is giving me even better lineups than I was making before. And so I, I kind of feel um, in, in DFS, I, I always feel like it takes like two to three years for the field to just like adjust and you need a new strategy or you're going to lose. That's basically how my results have always looked, you know, win for a couple of years, just get cleaned out for a year, learn from it, figure something out, do better for a couple of years and then rinse and repeat. Um, so that's, yeah. that's sort of how I'm viewing this is it feels to me very much like the step that I, the big step I took forward in 2019, where I had a couple of really good years before, you know, obviously having to sort of sit back down and, and reset again. Yeah, hundred percent. This this feels to me like, as you said, it's kind of like the next step in the DFS evolution, um, and it's going to take a little bit of time for enough of the field to start playing this way. So we're like, eventually, maybe the, maybe enough of the field is going to play this way that it's not going to be a huge advantage. But at least for now, for a couple of years, like uh, you're going to have a huge advantage over the people not using it. And then, of course, in in whenever the field does adjust, you're still going to need it because you need to you need it to keep up with the field. Right. I, I said I said it to Josh the other day. I was like, the way this is going to go is like right now this is going to elevate whatever percentage of people use it that weren't previously, you know, using their own Sims or whatever, it's going to elevate their games. And then over the course of the next, you know, I was like two years from now, what you're going to be doing is you're going to be using the Sims tool to simulate, you know, everything, but then you're going to be taking what the top lineups are in the Sim tool and then re-simulating like against those to account for the field playing so heavily towards what the city's right. spitting out like it's going to change ownership and just you know sort of change the the game but uh right now it's you know you don't need to go the the second level yet you just right. kind of uh can use this to your advantage um tommy david walker said if i'm a five to ten lineup guys is still recommended yes and no like it's still going to help you um it is certainly a you know investment question like i don't know from that question like what stakes you're playing if you're playing low stakes you're probably first going to be helped out more by using the lineup generator Yep. And, you know, because that from a price point, you know, you it's more in line with like the stakes you're playing. Um, but if it makes sense from for the stakes you're playing, then, yeah, it's certainly going to help you in five to ten. It's funny that you say yes to no, because somebody asked us the same question. I think they asked if you would uh, buy it for one to five lineups on Live Before Lock yesterday. And Greg and I responded at the same time with me saying, I probably wouldn't for one to five lineups. And Greg saying, yeah, you can certainly use it for uh, one to five lineups, which I think that both of us are correct. Like, yes, you can use this. And if you are planning on increasing your volume, 
it's maybe a good idea to to use it right now. But also, if I'm just planning on playing, if I'm a casual player playing one to five lineups per day, I'd much rather just go to lineup generator. Like right. I'm not going to invest in like low stakes one to five lineups. It's more for if you're playing high volume or if you are planning on playing high volume, it is a good idea to buy it now to like learn how to use it for when you really sure. are going to be playing high volume. Um, right. Yeah. Like if I'm, if I were playing one lineup, but I'm playing like the $2,000 single entry and down, I'm yeah. still using this tool and just 100%. putting in a set of lineups that reflects those small field high stakes tournaments. It's still going to make you better and still going to help you out. If I'm playing, you know, five to 10 lineups in like the mini max. And so my total entries are $5 or whatever that comes out to then clearly like it just becomes unless like you said you're you're just you know you're going to be moving up in stakes and you just want to get familiar right. with it it becomes you know very difficult to profit in that tournament if you're paying you know 180 bucks a month but so yeah. that's it's not so much the quality of lineups as your stakes but um i do in general think that like if you're playing low stakes and it doesn't make a lot of sense to put a you know big monthly outlay into tools then lineup generator is probably your best bet just you're still getting quality lineups you're still going to be better in those tournaments and then as you move up um and it makes more sense, then you move on to, to this. But again, if you're playing, you know, if you're playing three max, but you're just playing all of the most expensive three max tournaments, then yeah, it's still going to be helpful. Yeah, that's a good one. It's more about the dollar value that you're playing day to day rather than the number of lineups. Because it's actually, I would say it's even better for like stuff that is 2,000 or fewer lineups that are in, right. in the contest. Like those are the best contests for the tool currently. Um, so it really right. is more about the Yeah, the like I, I think it's a great tool for that. Like one thing I've always had trouble with when I try and go from large field to small field is like exactly how much should I be discounting ownership because I have less teams to beat and all of that. Whereas with right. this, you can say like, all right, well, you know, I'm playing this small field tournament. I know that the chalk's going to be chalky or the unknown teams are basically going to be unowned. I can enter lineups that reflect that. And it's going to basically answer my question of how much should I be adjusting. Yep. Yep. Good point. Uh, and I would, uh, I think both Steve Buzzard and Greg put out tutorials on how to use the tool. So uh, check those out if you haven't already. I think they both posted them on Twitter. So if you like her sound, if it sounds interesting to you, but you haven't yet uh, figured out what we're talking about exactly, they, they actually put out tutorials. Highly recommend checking that out. I will see out to Lunchable says, Hey, buddy, I was inducted into the stochastic HOF on Monday. Is there more on my part to do to get my free month? of stochastic when you say you're inducted do you mean that like Lofi did the video because i assume if if Lofi inducted you in a video you were in a contest of five thousand or more entries you placed in the top three uh and you had the stochastic avatar you should be good to go uh if you if Lofi did the shout out for you if you haven't already done all of the steps beyond being top three uh in a contest of five thousand or more then yeah make sure that you have the stochastic avatar in your screenshot tweet it out to at, Stoch at stochastic hof on twitter um and then uh lofty will give you the shout out you should win that free month but if, if nobody reaches out to you uh you probably need to reach out to support to get that free month if you haven't already gotten it so reach out to uh the support email i believe would be the next step if you haven't already gotten your free month or if nobody's reached out on twitter or anything all right adam we should jump in and talk about this upcoming slate a little bit looks like another pretty interesting slate of course we've got a course course field slate and also a patrick corbin slate uh we'll, we'll talk about that the Corbin Patrick part Corbin. of it <laughs> right away. We've got Arizona at Washington. Uh, Zach Davies on the mound for the D-backs. Patrick Corbin on the mound for the Nationals playing either of these pitchers. Uh, probably not. You know, Davies does have a solid matchup going up against one of the weaker offenses in baseball. Still not a lot of strikeouts there for Washington, though. Probably not really going to need to get the Davies, who um, himself isn't a great strikeout pitcher either. You have a four and a half 
implied run total for the Nats, which is relatively high for them. Uh, and then on the other side, definitely not interested in Corbin. Uh, he is somebody that I play occasionally, but there's a couple things that are different here. One, he is somehow $7,200 on DraftKings. Uh, typically, I sort of just you know hold my nose and click his name when he's like you know 6K. So much more difficult sell at 7,200. Um, but then also, you know, very difficult matchup with Arizona, solid offense. So not no, no real interest in the pitching here for me. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I forget that you think Corbin is a little bit better than uh, some other people. Like, not that you think he's good, but do you think that he is one of your, like, top 10 starting pitchers that you'd like to face uh, if you're stacking a team? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Top five. I mean, I think it would be pretty fair to say he's kind of taken over the Madison Bumgarner role. Okay, so you do you do like uh, still stacking against Patrick Corbin? Yeah, I, I think he's very bad. Um, I think that from a fantasy standpoint, sometimes he goes overlooked because no fully stretched out starting pitcher should really ever be like fifty six hundred dollars, and he gets down into that price range, and like hitting is still really hard. So like there's right. slates, there's weak pitching slates where I do think Corbin goes overlooked when he's really cheap just because like he is still a functioning major league pitcher. Um, but I, yeah, I do still think he's really bad. All right. Well, with that in mind, how much interest do you have in the bats in this game? Uh, definitely interested in both sides here. You know, the Diamondbacks have the more appealing matchup. They have the better hitters. They're a little bit more expensive, but not too bad. I mean, you have Emmanuel Rivera at 3,100. Walker's only 3,900, which makes no sense to me. Evan Longoria at third base, 2,800. Now, on DraftKings, you can only roster two of those three guys. Rivera's first base, third base. Walker, first base. Longoria, third. But all three of them look good from a value standpoint. Obviously, you can go to Corbin Carroll, even lefty-lefty. He's just insanely good. Cattell Marte is a strong second base option. If Gurriel's in the lineup, he looks good at 4K. You have a $2,900 Gabby Moreno as a high upside catcher option. Diamondbacks are going to look really good. Right now in the top stacks tool, they are coming in third behind only the Giants in cores and the Dodgers against somebody I've not heard of. Um, so, yeah, they look good. Eight and a half percent chance of being the top stack, 10 percent aggregate ownership, but also an 11 and a half percent chance of being the top value stack is the highest on the slate. So uh, third in top stack percentage, third in stack score. They look really good. Washington coming in sixth in stack score just behind Arizona with an 11 percent chance of being the top value against Davies. So they're pretty cheap. Certainly don't mind taking hitters against Davies. He is probably a better pitcher than Patrick Corbin. Only a 126 expected ISO to lefties this year, 138 to righties. If you go back to last year, it's 158 to lefties, 185 to righties. So, you know, again, doesn't give up the same amount of power, but he does still let you put the ball in play. He doesn't miss a lot of bats. You have a very reasonably priced Washington team where Lane Thomas at 4,400 is the most expensive hitter in the projected lineup on DraftKings. You have Garcia and Candelario at 4K. Everybody else is cheaper. So this is a team where if you are paying up for pitching or if you are jamming in really good one-offs around a cheaper stack, Washington certainly fits in that regard. So definitely interested in both sides here. 
Adam, I appreciate how good you are at responding quickly to uh, my prompts after doing a show with Greg yesterday, where he was like clearly caught off guard every time he would like go through the pitchers. And then I'd be like, all right, how about the best? And he'd be like, uh, wait, what? Like just like <laughs> totally catching him off guard every time with my quick transitions it's to the next. So unpredictable game. that you would ask about the hitters after the pitcher. <laughs> yeah, he, he was not ready for it. Um, and he also was not willing to do a full, full ranking of each side of the game. He would just say, I have no interest in these two players, so just like play the other two. Um, whereas, whereas what, you actually what, what give me a ranking. You got, got to go out and take some stands, Greg. Come on, man. Yeah, come on, Greg. Um, his he was saying like, well, I'm not going to give a ranking of somebody that I'm just not going to play at all. I don't want to recommend everybody, but come on, Greg. That's part yeah, of the fun. That's not the recommending. Rankings. It's saying right. that they're last. Generally, if they're last out of the four on a lot of in, in a lot of games, you're probably not playing them. I guess that's not always true. All right, how about in this Arizona Washington game? How much? Uh, how would you rank the four sides? Arizona, Washington, Davies, Corbin. That one I think right. is pretty easy. I could even do it again. Arizona, Washington, Davies, Corbin. Yeah. Yeah, that does seem pretty easy. All right. Uh Chicago at New York. We've got Lance Lynn on the mound for the White Sox. We have, I don't have the pitcher here for the Yankees. I feel like he was showing up. Uh where's my phone? Oh, here it is. Do you Randy know who's pitching? Randy Vasquez. I think I was actually getting to some of him in the lineup. Trend. I was like, I feel like I know who the pitcher is. I just can't remember what the name is. It's somebody that I'm not very familiar with, uh, but he was showing up in lineup generator looking pretty good. Uh, how much interest do you have in Lance Lynn or Vasquez here? Uh, quite a bit. Vasquez just shouldn't be 4K. Uh, he's right. pulling 30.5% ownership, 10% chance of being a top two pitcher, but a 44.8% chance of being a top two value. I don't know why DraftKings insists on putting 4K price tags on fully stretched out pitchers. I don't even, like, I don't care how good or bad Vasquez is. He's a, I mean, I obviously, like, I do to some extent, but he's a 4K pitcher that is fully stretched out. That's kind of all that I need to know. Uh, he's looking at his uh, pitch grades on fan graphs, has a 70-grade curveball. Uh, for anybody not familiar, the scale goes from 20 to 80, 80-grade uh, 80 being elite like the absolute best he has a 70 grade curveball very very good curveball uh 50 grade fastball pretty average um pretty much average across the board but except for the really good curveball 47 and a third innings pitched at triple a this year 10 starts there striking out 25 percent of hitters 4.88 fip 4.7 x fip uh projection systems the bat projects him for a an 18.7 percent strikeout percentage 4.59 fip ATCs at 22.4% K percentage, 4.22 FIP. Um, I've said it a lot. I tend to kind of like the middle ground between those two. I think the bat is often overly pessimistic on guys that have not pitched in the majors. Um, so finding the middle ground there is you know pretty good. So call this guy a 20% K guy, 4.4 FIP. He's $4,000. Like it just doesn't make sense. Um, he's not a top prospect to the extent where like – where I'm scared if I don't get to him. It's not like Andrew Abbott the other day. It's not like when Grayson came up at 4K or Bryce Miller came up at 4K or the Bobby Miller came up at 4K. Um, he's not that level of prospect, but he does, you know, at least still have one excellent pitch, some other average to slightly above average pitches. He's had strikeout success at AAA. Uh, at the very least, he's somebody where if you need to save money, a pitcher certainly can get there at 4k um, on the other side for Lynn tough matchup against the Yankees, but no Aaron judge. So 
We know that the lineup's going to be weaker. You do have uh, Donaldson and Stanton back, but at least with Stanton, that does also come with strikeouts in addition to the massive power. Um, and most of the dangerous bats in this lineup are right-handed, which is a big deal for Lance Lynn. Rizzo is left-handed, Calhoun's left-handed, Bowers is left-handed, but Torres, Stanton, Donaldson, Volpe, these guys all hit from the right side. Uh, Lynn has pretty much always been a better pitcher, a much better pitcher against right-handed hitters. This season has been no different. 28.2% K percentage with a 301 expected Woba to righties. Only a 21.5% K percentage with a 422 expected Woba to lefties. So I do think the upside is there for Lynn. It's obviously a risky matchup. There, you know, is it's it's a scary spot to get to, but um, not the strongest pitching slate. And he is $8,700 pulling 23% ownership. So um, I do like him a pretty good amount. And I think Vasquez is clearly the best point per dollar value pitcher. Okay. Uh, Sportswiz points out that the smoke is really bad at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. We need to watch the news. I mean, it, I think that we'll know before the game. Like, if they, I think they would, like, they're not going to delay it for wildfire right. smoke. I would yeah, say it would be it's, either postponement. Uh, yeah. We, we should either get the game playing or not. Um, I, I agree. It's possible they just don't play. Uh, it was bad yesterday, too. They played through it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's at least something where it's not like you're going to get like a smoke storm in the middle of the game. I right. assume. I, I mean, now I guess there will be, but like, you know, it's it's there. It's they're they're gonna gonna play in it or they're not. Yeah. So a good good call out to pay attention to the news. It's always always obviously advisable to to pay attention to the news. Yeah. But that's and I think that's we'll probably true for most of the East Coast. I know it's pretty hazy, smoky in Baltimore right now too. Okay. Um. All right. How much interest do you have in the bats in this uh, White Sox Yankees game? I think it's. I think both sides are pretty interesting. Um. For two different reasons. One, you have the White Sox just going up against a pitcher who's made one major league appearance. So. Who knows what you're getting from him? And like I just said, he doesn't project to be lights out at the major league level. He just projects to be better than $4,000. There's right. a pretty big difference there. So uh, the White Sox, only a 4.1 implied run total, but there is upside here. They are coming in with a 3.5% chance of being the top stack, only 1% ownership. Uh, you do get the added benefit of Vasquez pulling ownership as well if the White Sox you know, do well. Uh, on the Yankee side, it's more of just an upside play of they still have a lot of power in the lineup. Individually, though, I do like Anthony Rizzo quite a bit. You're getting a pitcher in Lynn who struggles with left-handed bats, and now he has to face them in Yankee Stadium with the short porch. So Rizzo does stand out as a really good play. Calhoun and Bowers, both really cheap, both give you plenty of home run upside as well. Uh, obviously, Rizzo is the best left-handed hitter in the lineup, though, so he's the one that really stands out. Okay, and how would you rank the four sides of the game? Yeah, this one's tougher for me. Um, this one kind of like depends on how you're looking at it, I think. like Lance Lynn would probably be the spot that I Lance Lynn would be the spot that I get to the most. If Randy Vasquez's price tag were real, um, given that it's 4k on DraftKings, I guess Vasquez is first um, on FanDuel. Lynn would be first where you only have to roster the one pitcher. So sure. um, one of the pitchers kind of depending on what your lineup needs, then I would say probably Yankees bats and then white Sox bats. But if you wanted to say you like the white Sox more, I wouldn't argue with you too much because you know, we do at least have a much less proven pitcher in Vasquez than Lynn. Okay, makes sense. Uh, Joe Miner says, just left the Rochester. It's a lot worse than most would think, although Rochester is very far from New York City. Uh, interesting. Yeah, it's, I, uh, yeah, we, we get wildfire smoke here. Closer to Canada too. Yeah, true. We, uh, we, we do get some of that smoke here from, from the Canada wildfires, but uh, it sounds like it's worse there than I've ever seen here. Um, all right, uh, Houston at Toronto. We've got Ronel Blanco on the mound for the Astros. Chris Bassett for the Blue Jays. What's your level of interest in these pitchers, Adam? So Blanco's coming in at 5,200. Um, 
he is sort of a logical pivot to Vasquez if you have to pay all the way down. But, you know, he is facing the Blue Jays, which is obviously a much more difficult matchup than the White Sox. Um, he's also $1,200 more, so 5200 is cheap. But again, it just reiterates how bad the price is on, on Vasquez. You know, you're still talking about paying like 25% more for a $5,200 Blanco. Um, one start this year for the Astros, 10 total appearances, 17 in the third innings pitched. He has struck out 24.5% of hitters, 4.27 fifth. He's fine, but, you know, again, not going out of my way to get to him against the Blue Jays, the real argument for him would just be, hey, I need a really cheap pitcher. He's getting 115th the ownership of Vasquez. I'll take a shot there, and that's fine, but I wouldn't be doing it too often. Um, Bassett is really scary here, especially at $9,500. Tough matchup against Houston. I'm a little surprised that he's actually getting 12% ownership given the matchup and the increase in price tag. He's only struck out 21.5% of hitters this season, and then you get you know a brutal matchup here. Uh, he has been much, much better against right-handed hitters this year. 21% strikeout percentage still isn't great, but holding them to a 138 expected ISO and a 298 expected Woba. Lefties are killing him. 227 expected ISO, 372 expected Woba. You get a pretty balanced Houston lineup typically in the sense that it's very it, it's right-hand heavy. You're probably going to have seven righties in there, but the two lefties are two exceptionally good hitters and Alvarez and Tucker, they're both going to be hitting in the top five. So the part of the order you're facing the most is more balanced than the lineup as a whole. Um, it, it's a tough matchup for Bassett. Like I, I get that there's not a lot of good pitching on this slate, but I think I'm a little bit more hesitant to get to him at 9,500 in the spot than the field appears to be. Interesting. Yeah. I was getting in uh using Latin Jenner earlier when I was making that thought, I was actually getting to a good amount of Blanco here was, was the uh, kind of surprising to me. I guess yeah, the, he I brings down the ownership quite a bit. Right. I think it's reasonable because of the ownership and price. It's still, it's one of those, if if at lock I see I'm getting, you know, 20% of him or something, I'm going to understand why it's happening and I'm fine with it, but I'm not going to like it. And I'm going to just kind of be holding my breath until he gets out of the game. Yep. Makes sense. Uh, how about the bats on the other side of this game? Yeah. Both offenses here look pretty good. Um, Bassett, like I said, hasn't been great this year. He's been good at limiting right-handed power, but that only goes so far too. And the right-handed power you're talking about in this case is Altuve, Pena, Bregman in particular. We know Jolks is cheap and has a lot of power. Um, you know, those, those guys at the top, they're not your average right-handed hitters. Um, but the part, the stuff that really stands out from the Houston side is Alvarez and Tucker really like them as one-offs, like them as a two-man, like them if you're full stacking Houston, uh, but individually love those two. The Toronto side, I think it's easier to make a case for the lineup as a whole. Uh, just because Blanco is less proven in the majors than Bassett. Uh, you have so many good hitters in this lineup, 5.3 implied run total. We have the Blue Jays right now coming in middle of the pack in stack score because they are expensive. Um, in top stack percentage, they're about 5%, which is uh, sixth highest on the slate, but basically the same as Cincy and the Mets for fourth. So uh, in terms of top stack percentage, you have a pretty big drop-off. Well, you have the Giants and Dodgers. Then you have a big drop-off to the Diamondbacks. Then you have a big drop off to everybody else. The Blue Jays are basically at the top of that everybody else list. Okay. How would you rank the four sides of the game? Toronto, Houston, Bassett, Blanco. Okay. Uh, next up, we've got Boston at Cleveland. Cutter Crawford on the mound for the Red Sox. Tanner Bibby for the Guardians. Uh, how much interest do you have in these pitchers? So Bibby is pretty interesting. He's 8,500, tough matchup against Boston, but he has been a good strikeout pitcher this year. He is reasonably priced. So he does look pretty good to me. Right now we actually have him second 
in the top in top two pitcher percentage at 16 percent essentially the same as charlie morton um pulling 19 percent ownership so less ownership than lance lynn who's 200 more with a slightly lower top two pitcher percentage a lot less ownership than corbin burns who's 1700 more expensive a little bit less ownership than morton who is again basically tied in top two pitcher percentage but 700 more so bibby does actually look pretty good here despite the difficult matchup uh, and again it just goes back to you don't have a ton of good pitchers on the slate, but you also don't have a ton of pitching that you would want to get to in good matchups. You know, Burns is at the top facing the Orioles. Morton's facing the Mets. Lynn's facing the Yankees. Scherzer's facing the Braves. Webb is in Coors Field. So the fact that it's not a great matchup against Boston carries a little bit less weight because you can't find good, any good pitchers that have good matchups really today. So um, I, I do like getting to Bibby here. He's been solid so far in his rookie season. Crawford is a more difficult sell. Cleveland's been a very bad team offensively so far. One of, if not the worst teams in baseball against right-handed pitching. But Crawford, not a... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Great pitcher um, in really any sense. Uh, he has been strike. He has struck out 28% of hitters so far this year. Um, has given up power as well. So at 6,800, I think he's pretty tough to get to. Like if you're paying down, I think you're just going to pay down further. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, Bibby, number two in our top pitchers tool. Kind of, kind of surprised me when I saw that. Um, but yeah, good, good for him. Pitching pretty well. Um, how much interest do you have in the bats in this game? Not a lot. Uh, Crawford, you know, has been solid enough this year, and the Guardians have been awful. Uh, you can always get to Jose Ramirez, Nail or Bell, but uh, pretty tough, I think, to really like Cleveland. And then on the other side, Bibby has been very good. Um, you're never wrong for going to Devers in particular. Yoshida, Casas is cheap. Um, but I think these are two of the more difficult offenses to get to. All right. And then how would you rank the four sides of the game? Bibby. Guardians, Crawford, Red Sox. Bibby's one for me. Everything else is sort of just like low owned hope that everything breaks your way tournament plays. All right. Uh, we'll do, we'll do one more game before we take a look at so rare. Uh, since we started with the, the lineup generator. Uh, here we've got the Dodgers at the Reds. Noah Syndergaard on the mound for the Dodgers. Brandon Williamson for the Reds. Any interest in these pitchers, Adam? Not a lot. Um, oh, I, I did want to quickly go back to Cutter Crawford. Um, most recently, he pitched on June 3rd through 40 pitches, through 24 on the 31st against Cincy. He's primarily worked out of the bullpen this year, had a couple starts at the beginning of the season. So um, that's the big reason I think that he's tough to get to at 6,800. It's just that um, I doubt he's going super deep into this game. Um, as far as the 
pitching in the Dodgers game. I think everybody's aware at this point how bad I think Syndergaard is. Um, it's not the worst matchup against Cincy, but it's not a great matchup either. They still have a 4.8 implied run total. Not particularly interested in getting to Syndergaard and definitely not interested in getting to Williamson here facing a Dodgers offense that has a 6.2 implied run total in Cincinnati. Nice park upgrade for them. Obviously, tons and tons of good hitters in this lineup. Uh, it's not a pitching game for me. All right. Uh, the bats may be more interesting. We've got Ellie De La Cruz here for the Reds. We've, of course, got the Dodgers, one of our top stacks on the board. How, how much interest do you have in the bats in this game? Uh, tons in the Dodgers. You know, obviously, the ownership is there. But they are second in top stack percentage at 15.5%. They're pulling 15% ownership, 10% chance of being the top value stack. Williamson um, has made four starts in the majors, 21 innings pitched. He had eight starts at AAA this year, 34 innings pitched, uh, 6.25 XFIP at AAA, struck out 16.4% of hitters. The bat projects him for a 16% strikeout percentage in the majors with a 5.87 FIP, ATC 19% K percentage. 5.28 FIP just does not project to be particularly good. And now he's going up against the Dodgers uh, in his limited time in the majors, 260 expected ISO to righties, 217 to lefties. Granted, that's only on 45 pitches, but you know, you're not shying away from guys like Freddie Freeman and Max Muncy here. And then the rest of the lineup's probably going to be just right-handed power. Mookie Betts, Will Smith, JD, Taylor, Vargas. Like this is just a really, really appealing offense to get to. The Reds aren't quite as appealing, but they are still fifth in top stack percentage. You know, I mentioned it before that you kind of have a couple tiers where it's the Dodger or the Giants and Dodgers at the top, Arizona in tier two, and then tier three is like the, the Mets, the Reds, the Blue Jays, the Angels, the Rangers, all kind of lumped together. So still a good spot for them against Syndergaard. Doesn't miss a lot of bats anymore. Um, 230 expected ISO to lefty so far this year, only 128 to righties. But looking at guys like Jake Fraley at the top, He's going to look pretty good. Uh, the you know huge piece here, though, is De uh, Ellie De La Cruz. 2,700, probably batting cleanup at shortstop. He is the best prospect in baseball as of the last time I checked rankings. He is he runs fast. He throws hard. He hits the ball hard. His first major league hit yesterday was a double, 112-mile-per-hour exit velocity. Uh, the guy is a stud and has no business being $2,700. So should be one of the most popular guys on the slate. Um, good one-off, good mini stack guy good full stack guy don't really care just play ellie de la cruz all right and then how would you rank the four sides of the game ellie de la cruz one dodgers two reds three Syndergaard four williamson five all right perfect uh that'll bring us to the halfway point we made it through half of the games here perfect time to check in on our sponsor so where i'm going to throw a link into chat right now for anybody who hasn't yet signed up for so rare you can play for free when you sign up at so rare Please use the link that I just put into chat. Helps us out if you do. But when you sign up, you're going to get some free common cards from SoRare. You're going to get a, a, a number of cards to choose from and a salary cap, essentially, when you sign up for some common cards. Then you can enter those cards into contests where you can win real real prizes that are worth real money that you can sell in the second market. So can't do much better than that. Entering contests for free and having a chance at real prizes here. Uh, of course, the next slate is going to start on Friday, so you got a couple days to prepare for it. I'm playing, what we're looking at here is my limited, so these are cards that I did have to pay for and or win in contests uh, to play in the limited contests. Um, off to an okay start here. I, I uh, got you know my, my course players finally. Uh, they didn't play on Monday. They played yesterday, got off to a good start. Haven't had my Wheeler start yet. He's going to be in a good spot. Strider hasn't started yet, so uh, going to see some improvement uh in this lineup i think once my pitchers go but off to a good start here 
But again, you can play for free. You don't have to play this limited contest if you want to just check it out for free. Uh, sign up. You're going to get some common cards you can play in the common contest and win real prizes worth real money. So check that out if you haven't already. All right. Uh, let's get back to the slate. We've only got 15 more minutes to get through the last five games, starting with the Mets and the Braves. Max Scherzer on the mound for the Mets. Charlie Morton for the Braves. What's your level of interest here, Adam? Yeah, I mean, some interest in both pitchers just because, again, we don't have the best pitching on this slate. Morton's coming in essentially tied with Bibby for second highest top two pitcher percentage, pulling 22% ownership. There's nothing about the matchup that I like. The Braves or the Mets rather have plenty of good hitters. They're difficult to strike out, but you need to roster two pitchers on DraftKings today. And it's tough to find guys that you love everything about their, their spot. So Morton looks fine. 25% K percentage, 3.82 XFIP. He's a good pitcher. The only issue is the matchup. Um, so yeah, like 22% ownership to him seems perfectly fine. Uh, same goes for Scherzer. 9,700 is more than I really would like to pay for him. The matchup against Atlanta is really tough. He's getting 8% ownership, but he does have a 14% chance of being a top two pitcher. He has a 25 0.3% K percentage this year at uh, identical to Charlie Morton on the other side, 4.4 XFIP, you know, higher than you, you're used to with Scherzer. But I think he's an interesting tournament play just because it seems like the field is essentially projected to say, you know, Hey, I don't trust this guy against the Braves. I don't like this price tag, but what about Chris Bassett against the Astros? Do you trust and like at 9,500? What about $9,200 Charlie Morton? Do you trust against the Mets? So it does look like he's going a little bit uh, under owned 14% chance of being a top two pitcher at just 8% owned all four of the pitchers ahead of him ahead of Scherzer in top two pitcher percentage are pulling at least 19% ownership. So I do like him as a contrarian tournament pitcher. I don't say I like him in the sense that I think he's going to do well. I just don't really think any of these pitchers are particularly likely to do well. So uh, he looks like one that is going on their own. Speaking of trusting pitchers, I made the mistake yesterday of trusting Mitch Keller, and it looked like uh, a lot of the field, more more of the field than expected, trusted Mitch Keller yesterday too. Didn't yeah. go so well for us, particularly because Kevin Gossman just went the fuck off. So it was like uh, relative to Gossman, Keller looked awful. Yeah, that was uh, that, that worked out for me. Um, I had like 42% Gossman and like 6% Keller. Oh, nice. Um, and I was not comfortable with that. And then yep. I was talking to Josh and he had like a massive amount of Keller. And I was like, oh, this is going to be really annoying when Keller does what he should against the A's. And I'm yep. just watching Josh's lineups go up in my tank. But uh, no, it worked out yeah, for me. Worked out for you. Uh, all right. Clark, how about I, the... I, I had a bunch of Clark Schmidt though, so that didn't. Also, yeah. There was a lot of rough pitching on the slate. It was like Gossman just absolutely crushed. A lot of the pitchers that were in my lineups were getting like single digit fantasy points. Not looking, not looking so good out there. Um, all right, how much interest do you have in Mets or Braves bats? Not too much. I mean, it's pretty much if you're going to either side, it is basically they're good offenses. Uh, one thing working in their favor is it does look like good hitting weather here. It's supposed to be about 85 with the wind blowing out in Atlanta. As a result, you do have a 4.9 implied run total for the Braves against Scherzer, 4.6 for the Mets against Morton. Um, neither of these stacks are likely to be very popular. The Mets have a 5% chance of being the top stack. 3.8% aggregate ownership. Atlanta coming in with a 4% chance of being the top stack, 8% aggregate ownership, but um, that is primarily driven by Ronald Acuna at 16% and Sean Murphy at 4,200, way too cheap of a price tag for him. 
at 12%, the rest of the offense, 7% or less. So this is a spot where I think the aggregate ownership percentage is a little bit misleading when you look at it for Atlanta. Overall, neither of these stacks are going to be too popular um, because they are facing pitchers that you're not super comfortable taking bats against. But good hitting conditions here, two very high upside offenses. Uh, I do like them as far as you know lower owned tournament stacks go. Okay. And then how would you rank the four sides of the game? I guess Morton... Scherzer as a contrarian play, the Braves probably more likely to succeed though. Um, and then I guess Mets last, but th- this is just a game where it's all kind of similar to me. Um, they're all talent a- every, all four sides of this game have a lot of upside. All four sides are talented. None of it makes me feel very comfortable, but it's pretty likely that something good comes out of this game. Sure. All right. Makes sense. Uh, next up, we've got your Baltimore, Baltimore Orioles facing the Brewers. Dean Kramer on the mound for the Orioles. Corbin Burns for the Brewers. I know that you had some concern about the uh, the smoke here. Do you have? I mean, uh, it's same same as you said earlier. Oh, it's in Milwaukee. Oh, all right. Never mind. Uh, (laughs) Good good point. Good call out there. All right. Uh, How much interest do you have in Burns or Kramer here? Yeah, definitely interest in Burns. You know, he hasn't been as good this year from a strikeout standpoint, but we have seen strikeouts tick up a bit recently. Seven in his last start. Eight in the start before that. Five, three starts ago in a tough matchup with Houston, seven apiece against St. Louis and KC. So we are hopefully seeing his strikeout stuff come back. Overall this year, 22.8% K percentage, 4.4 XFIP. You know, again, it's it's risky based on what he's done so far this year. Uh, this is similar sort of to the like Aaron Nola spots where, you know, not, not that Burns is facing the Tigers today, but that you, know, you kind of just assume he's going to get back to normal sooner rather than later. He has been trending in a good direction. He is getting... Uh, the most ownership, or sorry, this, yeah, the most ownership on the slate at 31% on DraftKings, highest top two pitcher percentage going up against Baltimore. The Orioles are still without Cedric Mullins, which is nice. Uh, could have Gunnar Henderson back today, but uh, not the worst spot against the Orioles. 3.7 implied run total there. So I do like getting to Burns. Uh, as far as Kramer goes, it's sort of interesting. Um, He's only pulling 5% ownership at 7,800. We know the Brewers do strike out quite a bit, but that's just a little bit more expensive price tag than I really want to pay for Kramer. 19.6% K percentage, 4.6 XFIP this year. If you're using him here and there in large field tournaments, I think it's okay, but it's not somebody I'm going out of my way to get to. All right, and then how how much interest do you have in the bats here? Uh, The Brewers bats look pretty interesting to me. Kramer has allowed more expected uh, power this year than actual and you know keeping in mind he does pitch in camden yards which really kills right-handed power he's allowed a 147 expected iso this year to righties 208 actual iso lefties with a 183 actual iso 273 expected iso um, so he has run pretty good in terms of limiting power you're getting a brewers lineup that does have some power in a park that isn't bad to hit in Christian Yelich, William Contreras, Rowdy Telez, I think are the three that really stand out the most to me. Um, but this team also isn't very expensive. So they work as a value stack too. We have them fourth from the bottom, actually in top stack percentage at 2%, 2.5% aggregate ownership. But individually, I do like a few of those bats. We have the Orioles second from the bottom, 2% chance of being the top stack. Not really looking to get there. Uh, the normal caveat does apply. The Orioles just win slates, but, um, and, and they are cheap, but I, don't anticipate getting too much. All right. And then how would you rank the four sides of this game? Burns, Brewers, Kramer, Orioles. All right. We made it through seven of our 10 games here, Adam. So just three games left. I did just put the link for uh, 
the Sims tool into chat. I pinned it to chat. So if you're looking for that link, uh, I didn't put it in there earlier. So I just want to make sure that you have, uh, you, you can sign up at the link that I just put into chat. Check that out if you haven't already. Um, all right. St. Louis at Texas, Jack Flaherty on the mound for the Cardinals, John Gray for the Rangers. What's your level of interest in these pitchers, Adam? I think Gray is interesting at 8,900. He's pulling 13.5% ownership, 12% chance of being a top two pitcher. Not the best matchup with St. Louis. You know, obviously they do have quality hitters in their lineup, supposedly. They also haven't been very good this year. 4.2 implied run total. Um, most of the dangerous, most dangerous hitters in this lineup are right-handed. So you like to see that for John Gray. He does typically have a much higher strikeout percentage against righties than lefties. Going back to the start of last year, 26.8% K percentage to righties, 209 to lefties. This year, he's at 21.5 to righties, 18.8 to lefties. But he is another pitcher that I expect that his numbers going forward are just better than his numbers have been to this point. We have seen him turn things around uh, in recent starts. He struck out at least five in five straight starts after a pretty rocky start to the season. Uh, he struck out seven guys in his first start of the year against Baltimore. But then he went five straight starts without striking out more than four. And in four of those starts, he only struck out two. Uh, seems to have figured it out, though. Like I said, eight, five, six, eight, and five strikeouts in his last five starts. Uh, at least seven innings pitched in four of those. So not to just look at recent games and say, like, oh, like he's good. We have a long track record of John Gray being good. Sure. And we have a small sample to start this season of him not being good at getting strikeouts. And then recently he's been back to it. So the assumption on him should have always been that the strikeouts were going to return. And we have seen them return. So um, I do like getting him a bit at 8,900. On the other side, for Flaherty, pretty tough sell at 8,100. He hasn't been a very good pitcher this year in general. The strikeout stuff is okay at 23%, but he's walking 12.5% of hitters, 4.55 XFIP, and now he's going up against arguably the best offense in baseball, 4.8 implied run total. It would be one thing if you threw like you know a 7K price tag on Flaherty and you could make the argument that you're getting a discount for the matchup, but 8,100 for Flaherty just based on what he's done this year in general is – kind of a steep asking price and then you're doing it against the rangers makes it tough for me to want to get there okay uh sir manning says hit the like button that's a good call out thank you sir manning yeah please do hit the like button if you haven't already um all right uh how much interest do you have in the bats obviously the the pitchers you know look pretty uh are, are not not the worst pitchers to uh not, not the pitchers that you really want to be targeting how much interest do you have in the bats in this game uh, not too interested in St. Louis. If you're going there, I think it's mostly just a talent play where you're just playing a low-owned Goldschmidt, Arenado, whoever. Uh, I am more interested in the Texas side, though, because Flaherty has been not great this year. One thing he has done well is limit power. 122 expected ISO to lefties, 148 to righties. So I don't view this as a great spot for Texas, but I do just like Texas whenever they're in, you know, sort of neutral matchups but not getting much ownership and right now we do have them with a four and a half percent chance of being the top stack only three and a half percent aggregate ownership they are very expensive but that shouldn't matter too much on a slate where you do have a 4k pitching option um you also have plenty of mid-range pitching you know if you're going let's say bibby plus i don't know bibby plus morton like you're still only spending 18k on pitching there so i don't think it should be that difficult to get to texas bats if you want to uh and they are going a bit under owned here so i like them in tournaments all right, and then how would you rank the four sides of this game? Gray one, Rangers two, Flaherty three, cards four. All right. Uh, next up, we've got that Coors game. We've got San Francisco at Colorado. Logan Webb on the mound for the Giants. Connor Seabold for the Rockies. Playing any pitchers in Coors today? 
If you do, uh, I think it's pretty clearly Webb. The Rockies are not a good offense. Logan Webb is a very good pitcher. You have a 4.4 implied run total on the Rockies. Uh, to put that in context, it is lower than the Rangers. It's similar to the Brewers. It's lower than both sides of the Atlanta game. It's lower than both sides of the Reds game. It's not that much higher than the Guardians. It's lower than the Blue Jays. It's similar to the Astros. It's lower than both sides of the Nats game. So, yes, pitching in Coors Field is bad. Yes, it's going to make Logan Webb project a lot lower than he would if he were facing the Rockies in San Francisco. But I don't think Webb should actually just be ignored here, given that he does have one of the best actual matchups. You know, he, it's in Coors, but he's facing the Rockies. Is that it's not that much worse than facing the Braves in Atlanta or facing the Mets in Atlanta or facing the Yankees in Yankee Stadium? Yet he's getting less ownership than all of these pitchers. Seven and a half percent projected ownership with a fourteen percent chance of being a top two pitcher. Um, I actually do have interest in Webb at that ownership level, just because I don't think he's much different than Scherzer, Lynn, Morton. So um, I am interested in him, despite the the ballpark. I clearly have no interest in Connor Siebel. All right. Uh, how about how, how much interest in these cores bats? Oh, a lot, particularly the giant side. They are projected to be the most popular team on the slate, but they also earn it with their top stack percentage coming in at uh, about 17 and a half percent, 17 percent ownership. They're not expensive, so you can kind of build whatever you want around them as well. Um, and there's also the possibility, you know, we saw it last night. Uh, I don't know exactly how things looked going into the slate in the top stacks tool, but we saw it last night where more ownership ended up coming into the Dodgers. More ownership ended up coming into some other spots than the Giants. They really weren't that popular. So um, that's a trend we've seen in baseball over the last few years where the Giants absolutely should be the highest owned team on this slate. But you just kind of see the field correct or adjust for ownership and they end up being popular, but not that popular. So I do like getting to the Giants quite a bit here. Great matchup, uh, great spot against Seabold, great ballpark. Obviously, you know, the, the pricing is very reasonable. $3,900 Lamont Wade. I mean, you could argue that's too cheap of a price tag for him in most matchups, excluding Coors Field. Right. Jack Peterson's only 4100 Conforto 43 Hanniger 3700 I mean, these are just essentially free hitters in Coors Field that – probably won't get as much ownership relative to other spots as they should. 184 expected ISO to righties this year for Seabold, 165 to lefties. Um, as far as the Rockies go, they're in cores and they're not going to be popular, so there is always some merit there. But it's a very difficult matchup against Webb. It's a very bad offense. They still only have a 3% chance of being the top stack despite being in cores. And like I said, they have a relatively low implied run total compared to other teams on the slate. It's not even like, oh, this is low for course field. It's, oh, I can name like eight teams that have higher implied run totals or the same. So um, much, much more interested in the Rocky side, even though they are more popular. Speaking of the low ownership going to the Giants, yesterday I was making my lineups in lineup generator because I'm on live before lock, not going to be able to use the Sims tool while I'm doing a show. Um, I'm not advanced enough with the app, so I just used lineup generator and I was I put in chalky lineups because I was like, well, the Giants look good. They're like one of the chalkier teams and I wasn't getting to any Giants, uh, the chalky lineups. I had to actually switch to the balance lineups to get to Giants in Coors Field, which kind of blew my mind. Yeah, yesterday was weird. So like cause I, I didn't do any content yesterday. I took the day off and so I hadn't like looked at who anybody was facing or, you know, top stacks or anything. I just plugged everything in and ran all my stuff. Um, so I didn't have any context or anything. And so I see my exposures and I'm getting, you know, like 15% Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, guys from the Dodgers. Um, and then I'm getting like, you know, I had, I think like 20% Estrada and then, you know, like 10 to 15% of a lot of the other giants. And so I look at that and I'm like, okay, so I assume I'm fading the giants. I'm overweight on the Dodgers. Like, cool. Sounds good. And then I see 
like actual ownership. I'm like, oh, I'm under the field on the Giants and I'm or I'm under the field on the Dodgers and I'm over the field on the Giants despite having higher levels of a lot of the Dodgers. Like it it was really weird. Right. Yeah, it was it was it was a fun slate, I thought. Um, although I also lost slightly sl- tiny bit of money. Um, all right. How, how would you rank the four sides of this course game? Giants one, Webb two, Rockies three, uh, roster a pitcher that isn't pitching for Connor Seabold five. All right. Makes sense. All right. Final game of the slate. We've got Chicago at Los Angeles. Jamison Tyone on the mound for the Cubs. Jaime Barea for the Angels. Uh, any interest in these pitchers? Not too much. Um, Barea might be going a little bit under-owned at 7K. 10.6% top two percentage, 10% ownership percentage. Uh, he spent most of this year out of the bullpen, but he has been starting recently. Overall this year, strikeout stuff's been very, very good. 27% K percentage to lefties, to, uh, just shy of 25% to righties. You do expect that to come down a bit as a starter. Um Went five innings on the 31st against the White Sox. Did pick up six strikeouts there. Went five innings against Boston the 22nd. Picked up six strikeouts there. Uh, he also did throw 90 pitches in that most recent outing. So that was good to see. Um, I, I, I do think he's going a little on the road at 7K. Just given that it's a cheap price tag. He's in a different price tier than most of the pitchers ahead of him in top two pitcher percentage. Every pitcher that has a higher top two pitcher percentage on DraftKings is at least $8,500. Um, and every pitcher with a higher top two pitcher percentage is getting less ownership other than Scherzer and Webb, who obviously are at different price points. So uh, I do think Berea is going a little bit overlooked here, given that he threw 90 pitches last time out. The strikeout stuff has been good, even if it does regress a bit, as you would expect, um, you know, having to go through the order more than once, it's still good enough for 7K. So I do have some interest there. Tyon at 5,500 is underpriced. You know, I kind of, like I was saying with Patrick Corbin, um, major league starting pitchers just shouldn't be $5,500. He has been very bad this year. He does have a dangerous matchup against the Angels in a good hitter's park. I don't think he's a great play. Uh, 21% K percentage, 4.67 XFIP. Um, so he ha- like he has been unlucky this year. He has a he has an ERA over 7. FIP is 4.1. XFIP is 4.7. Strikeout percentage is better than $5,500. Uh, he is another guy I would throw into the like um, Blanco territory where I'm not going to be thrilled if I'm getting to tie on, but... If he's going to be 4% owned, then Vasquez is going to be 30. I do think that he's going on their own. Makes sense. Uh, how much interest in the bats here? Uh, definitely interest in the bats, particularly the Angels side, just because uh, you are getting quality hitters against a pitcher in Tyon who hasn't been great this year. Good hitters park. Shohei Otani in particular, absolutely love. Uh, that goes without saying, but um, Tyon has, for a while, had pretty drastic splits between righties and lefties. Doesn't really give up power to righties. And that's continued this year. 129 expected ISO to righties, 283 expected Woba, 23% K percentage, like legitimately good numbers against right-handed bats. 18% K percentage with a 296 expected ISO to lefties, 426 expected Woba. If you go back to last year, it's still 203 expected ISO to lefties, 353 expected Woba. Really makes Otani stand out even more than he usually would. It makes Matt Tice look good as a $2,500 catching option. Um, Jared Walsh, if he's in the lineup, Mickey Moniak, if he's in the lineup, they're both going to look good. Clearly, even though Tyon is good against righties, Trout's still going to be great. Uh, Rendon, Rendon left yesterday's game early. I don't remember why. Um, I assume it's just because he's Anthony Rendon and he can't play more than three games in a row. Um, but if he's in the lineup, he's 3,300. Renfro's 3,600. You know, again, like I prefer the lefties, but there's so much right-handed power that's cheap here. I think the Angels as a stack look 
very good. I think grabbing lefties as one-offs or mini stacks looks really good. Uh, four and a half implied, uh, four and a half top stack percentage, five and a half percent aggregate ownership. Uh, looking at the ownership individually, though, it's kind of similar to the Braves, where you have Otani pulling twelve percent. The next highest owned hitter is Trout at seven, Ward at six, Tice at six. Everybody else even less than that. So um, as a stack, they're not as popular as the aggregate ownership suggests. All right. And then how would you rank the four sides of this game? Angels, Berea. I think Tyone and the Cubs are kind of comparable. All right. We made it through the end of the game-by-game breakdown. Adam, uh, if you're going to three different stacks, which who are your three favorite stacks today? Giants. I mean, the way ownership looks right now, uh, Giants, Dodgers, probably the Angels. Three favorite pitchers? Uh, Arizona, also a very reasonable third stack. Um, Three favorite pitchers, that's a much more difficult question. Uh, I guess Burns, Burns, Bibby, Vasquez. But, like, in tournaments, I like the idea of being contrarian with pitching. I think the chalk offenses are better than the chalk pitching today. So in tournaments, I don't mind getting the Logan Webb at 7% owned. I don't mind taking some shots at 4% owned tie on when I pay down. I don't mind taking some shots at Scherzer. So, um, you know, again, I don't I don't think that any of the pitching today is that great. All right. Uh, Joe Miner asks, your favorite single entry pitcher for FanDuel? Um, let me pull up their pricing. Probably Burns. Uh, he's pulling 16% ownership, so he's actually lower owned than Lynn. Morton is an okay pivot in terms of ownership, but it's just tough to pay more for him than for Burns uh, in that good hitting weather. So, yeah, it's probably Burns. I don't I like also... 9,500 hour 3% owned John Gray is kind of interesting if you're going with a chalkier stack. Okay. Uh, I, I think that when I was running on um lineup gender which you can check out that video i already made my lineup gender video is probably up on youtube already um but i was getting to a lot of the cheaper pitchers because of how good the stacks are that they allow you to get to so i was getting to a little bit of vazquez uh some of uh ronald blanco those those kind of level pitchers which kind of surprised me might have been just like that even on FanDuel, yeah, I was okay. getting to them as my single pitcher not always but i was getting to yeah. some of them because they allow me to get to giants and dodgers you know full stacks yeah um, it's- so if you're going that route, I think the $6,200 price tag on Berea is really interesting. Um, yeah. The biggest, I mean, the biggest concern is that he's in a pitcher's park facing an offense that isn't bad. But uh, the other big concern is that, you know, will the Angels let him go six innings and get the quality start? Uh, the fact he threw 90 pitches last start, I think, means there's at least a chance. Like sure. if he's just, if he's pitching well and he's through five innings at 80, you know, 75 pitches, I don't know that they pull him. They still could just to avoid him facing the order a third time. I think that's a completely reasonable thing for them to do, but there's at least a chance that he could get six innings here. Okay. Uh, and home run pick. Uh, Shohei. And if not Shohei, then one of the Astros left uh, Alvarez, but I'll go Shohei. I'm going to go with Max Muncy. Uh, we've got him with a 41% chance of hitting a home run tonight, Max Muncy. Pretty, pretty crazy. That is a big number. We've got Shohei at 28%, so he's still towards the top of the board as well. Um, all right, Adam, that'll do it for this show. Any any final thoughts? Where can people find you today? I will have my article out and my bet pro video out shortly. I'll be back at 7.30 Eastern with Josh for the NBA Live Before Lock. Are you on Live Before Lock? Not Deeper yeah. Dive? Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, 
I have, I'm going to be back in 20 minutes with Lofi doing an underdog NBA show. Uh, everything else I'm going to have, I'm very packed today with content, but it's all, none of it's going to be live. I'm going to be recording high stakes with Matthew Bellman immediately after that show with Lofi. Um, did I pick, uh, Jake says that I picked Muncie. I just, I just use the tools. Uh, so the tools of like Muncie two days in a row. So I'll be doing, uh, Underdog NBA followed by High Stakes with Matthew Bellman. If you have any questions for Fantasy Tips, Matt, uh, check out my Twitter at PlayerQDFS. I sent out a tweet to ask for any questions that you might have. And then after that, I'm gonna, also going to be on uh, Theory of DFS with Blender. So busy day today, but not a lot of live stuff. But my last show will be in 20 minutes with Lofi for uh, Underdog NBA. So check us out there. Thank you guys very much for joining us today and of course hit the like button on your way out if you haven't already i'll see you in 20 minutes or tomorrow